Scott and Mark Kelly were born identical twins, both astronauts. Both have spent time in space. And in March 2016, Scott returned from a 340-day stay at the International Space Station. And he is no longer genetically identical to his brother, Mark. Dr. Chris Mason is the principal investigator in NASA's twin study, which compares the two brothers genetically. And uh, he joins the show. Uh, Doctor, what are the genetic differences? So even when you're an embryo and you have twinning events, or you're two embryos all of a sudden, even very early on, you'll have slight genetic differences that occur. But what we've seen is when you actually send one twin out into space, we saw a lot of genes expression change, so how genes are turned on or turned off. We saw a number of those genes, thousands of them changing in space. And then when he came back to Earth, actually some of them even persisted out beyond six months. And so we've seen changes in how DNA gets regulated and activated that seem to be from spaceflight. I know that genes, from my limited knowledge, you know, uh, that genes, when they're turned on or off, that can mean that you're, you know, turning on a gene that can make you predisposed to uh, diseases. Are you seeing anything like that? Uh, we've seen things more related to spaceflight. So, so far, there's no big red flag. So that's a bit of the good news is that we saw 93% of all of his genes returned back to normal after he'd been back on Earth. But of those 7% that seem to have had some change, what's really interesting about them is they detail changes in the immune system function or bone formation or even muscle basically processing and how it actually maintains its health. And so we think that, you know, these are kind of the things to keep an eye on, but nothing really of big worry quite yet. That's interesting, the immune system. I mean, you know, when we see the astronauts return from, you know, space travel, you can see that they've got the wheelchair ready. So I, I understand the muscular changes, but the immune system, did you anticipate that, any of those changes based on, you know, previous biological um, changes that you knew about former astronauts in space? Uh, so this actually is the first foray, you know, genomics and so what's called multi-omics, looking at all the layers of biology in an astronaut ever. So we really had no idea what to expect. We, we did have some clues, though, from mouse models and even uh, cell lines that had been flown on the space station. So we knew that we could expect some changes that would detail uh, some of these biological pathways. So we know that sometimes viral reactivation can happen in spaceflight. So immune system wasn't a total shock, but it's nothing. Uh, these genes in particular that drive interleukin responses or very specific immune changes uh, we'd never seen before because no one's ever looked before. That's interesting. So what has personally excited you the most about this study? Is there one thing that you saw happen and you went, whoa, I did not expect that? Yeah, I think what's extraordinary is how many genes activated as soon as he got into space. And so we could see at a molecular level all this flurry of activity just as his body is responding to zero gravity. And so the all's fluid shifting and his entire sort of vestibular system has to readjust to how he's moving through space or really floating through space. So it was just amazing to see all the genes that help mediate that process inside the body you know, activated like fireworks almost in space. Uh, jumping up to, to basically accommodate this new environment. And then also, uh, we've also you know, seen lots of fragments of DNA that actually were in his bloodstream that we don't, haven't seen before. So we call this um, cell-free DNA that we're examining further. And so, uh, you know, these, these first things we've seen are just the first of many. There's basically dozens of investigators finishing up uh, this, the work on this study, and we'll release all the final results later this year. DNA in the blood, is that what you said? Yes, yes. So DNA is often in your blood and just by normal living, but we actually saw uh, spikes of more of the mitochondrial fragments, basically the, the power plants of your cells. Mm -hmm. looks like we saw more of them showing up in the blood. And, and we're still looking at this data. We, we just got some of the last data back from the experiments uh, right before Christmas. 
and we're pouring over the data. There's teams of us looking at this across the country to really tease it out and also do validation experiments and follow-up analysis. Were they active? The powerhouses, the mitochondria in the blood? Well, they were. Uh, so we don't think so at this point. They they were present in the blood, but we think they may have actually been uh, released from the cells, potentially white blood cells. Uh, also, it's kind of a part of the immune response, we think. But but it's the first time it's ever been seen in an astronaut. And actually, these levels are higher than we've seen from almost anyone else we've looked at before. So we're, we're at this point still diving deep into some of that data. You also noticed some changes, and I found this fascinating, um, about the, the caps at the end of the chromosomes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is in collaboration with Susan Bailey's lab. Uh, she was the first to discover this, and we validated some of her results in our lab. So what this means is the shoelaces, basically, uh, which if you put your DNA as shoelaces, the, kind of the tips of those shoelaces are what those telomeres are in your chromosomes. And they normally age. Uh, they, they shrink over time. As you age, they get shorter and shorter and shorter. But what we observed uh, with the Bailey Labs data and some of our data is that we could see that they actually uh, shrunk. And, you know, instead of shrinking in space, which you would expect, they actually got a little bit longer uh, when he was uh, in flight, so in space. And then as soon as he got back to Earth, within about a week, they've shrunk back down. So this is kind of a temporary uh, lengthening of, chrom- of the chromosomes, of the telomeres, in space that then went away when he came back to Earth, which was a total surprise. So people have been searching for the Fountain of Youth on Earth for years, <laughs> maybe looking at the wrong rock. Hey, well, instead of looking down, they got to look up. Maybe. Exactly. It's, you know, it's, it's uh, temporary, though. So it doesn't, it, this whole terrestrial life is kind of a drag. How important is this twin study to understanding human biology in general? I mean, could this be as important as that, you know, genome sequence? Yeah, I, I uh, liken it to the first time, you know, we've really... So for NASA, this is critical for all future missions. This sets the baseline. It's the bedrock of molecular measurements for astronauts that will be used for all subsequent astronauts, not only for NASA, but also for other space programs around the world. Obviously, the Russian ones and the European and also Chinese missions. But, the, you know, this for, for general health, this is this gives us kind of a, a unique sketch of what's the coastline of changes in sort of the, the continent of the body when it's under extreme stress. And so much like other maps that have been made, it's the first map of its kind. So I'm sure some things will get refined or adjusted as we get more measurements and improved methods to measure what happens in the body. But this really, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, setting the, it's the first step on the, the, moon, the moon genome, or it's the first time we've stepped on this ability to see what happens in the body in spaceflight, which will, which will help us as we plan to go to Mars and even farther. Yeah, you know, when you talked about the uh, genes turning on and off uh, when you uh, went into space, when you saw Scott go into space and you saw this explosion, this firework, immediately I thought, well, this just has so many applications for, you know, taking people that have genes that are not on or genes that should be turned on, putting them, you know, in the atmosphere for a little while and bringing them back back to Earth. I mean, it could be a cure-all. So at this point, we just don't know. We know that many things have changed and some have not gone back, but... This is the big question is, you know, is this a good thing or a bad thing? And and right now we're just not sure because we need to measure more astronauts, more people, uh, more individuals at this depth. I mean, this included billions of measurements per time point uh, for the astronauts. Normally we measure a few dozen things about people when they go to the doctor. Right? So th- this is uh, we don't yet know as, as to how much this will really inform the, the good or the bad side of this coin, but we know that a lot of things change. We know what they are, and we know which ones persist. And so it can help people to understand risk for cancer, understand risk for immune system function or dysfunction, 
or even just general health. So we think down the line, these will definitely be features that will be important for understanding physiology and genetics and health. How is this affecting Scott's quality of life on Earth, the fact that his genes have been altered? So um, from, from reports from, from the subject himself and what he's posted online and what he's said in interviews, the first week was really the, a really rough period, but, but since then it has seemed to have returned mostly to normal. But, but that first week was really extraordinarily difficult. Now, that's what he said and what he'd experienced, and we can see why in some of his molecular data. But other astronauts who've been up for six months did not report as many severe symptoms. So what we're really trying to tease out is how much of this is because it was a one-year mission versus a six-month mission. So, you know, this was the longest ever for a U.S. astronaut, but we don't know, will all other astronauts that go for one year have as many severe symptoms or not as many? We just have to wait and see. But um, but so far, he seems to have gotten back mostly to normal, actually. Dr. Chris Mason, I really appreciate your time. How long will this twin study continue? Uh, so the last samples were just sequenced a few months ago, and we're finishing the analysis up now. So probably just another uh, you know, six months. And then the goal is to launch 10 more one-year missions for NASA. So this is the, the first step down a you know, sort of long path to understand the body in space. And uh, you, know, you look for more results as they keep coming out for more astronauts. Wow, it's fascinating work you're doing. I, I thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks. It's a pleasure.